Hello, podcast friends. I know it's been a while since a new episode of Uniquely Kentucky. I was on the road for three weeks covering the University of Kentucky basketball team and the SEC tournament and then went on the NCAA rounds. But I'm back and I'm sitting down with unique Kentuckians doing really interesting things. In this latest episode, we're talking more books. Meet Cynthia Ellingson, a Lexington mom and author who now has several books under her belt and quickly writing more. From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Cynthia Ellingson, welcome in to Uniquely Kentucky. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. You just said to me, if I say anything crazy, it's because I literally haven't slept in three years. You have small children. I think people will understand, right? Yes, yes. You look really put together. Thank you. Thank you. It's amazing what you can survive on caffeine. And, I, you know, after this is, I, I keep saying I'm Navy SEAL trained. So after I'm done with this period, once they start sleeping, the little kidlets, I can do anything. Something else. Yeah. I want to tell people. People, full disclosure, I have known you the better part of probably almost a decade, would you say? Crazy. We met through a women's organization, mm-hmm. and it's so um, thrilling to me to think about that you called me one day to ask to go to lunch for us to talk about marketing and how you got your name out if you wrote this book. And now I'm so excited to say that you're Cynthia Ellingson author, like author of several books. Is that still weird for you? It is weird for me. And what's completely weird is it just dawned on me, and I'm not kidding, maybe three weeks ago, somebody said, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm an author. And before that- Of several books. I I did not tag on the several books part. (laughs) But, you know, before that, I would say, oh, I'm a writer, or I do this, or I do that. But, you know, but it it truly just hit me, oh, I'm actually, I'm I'm an author, which is what I always wanted to do. So I'm so excited about it. You are not a Kentuckian born and raised. Um, You sort of found your way here, and we'll talk about that. But you, uh, many years ago, before you came to Lexington, you were trying to make it in Hollywood, right? I was. Sort of doing the waitressing, Mm -hmm. trying to get an audition. Thing. How yeah. was that? What did you want to do? It was so much fun, honestly. I, you know, I wanted to be in the arts. I wanted to be a, a now the waitressing. I see you making a face. The waitressing was not that was that was not very much fun. I was not good at that. Um, but you know, I the, I loved Los Angeles. I loved that everyone who was there in the entertainment field had a dream and had something that they were passionate about and what they really wanted to do. And I went in for acting because I didn't quite know, and it sounds crazy, but I didn't quite understand what I would have to do to write because, and this this is gonna date me in a big way, but the internet didn't exist back then. And so learning about how, oh, you have to get an agent and then you have, the agent submits your stuff to a publisher and then that type of stuff, I had no idea what to do and so it seemed, easier to kind of when I was going to school do theater and say oh I enjoy this I'm good at this this finally speaks to me creating characters and telling stories and all that and of course that all led to what I really wanted to do which was to tell stories on the page. Did I read that when you were a small child that you had two loves? Obsessions. (laughs) One was soap (laughs) operas and the other was reading. Yes. Is that true or false? That that is true. So, what was was General which, Hospital your favorite? Which Did was you have a, I, yeah, in oh the fifth my. grade, I would I would watch it. Which is, is that sort of your love? Like you kind of honed in on this love? Like I want to do that. I want to be on the big screen. Or was it just this weird, silly? I think it was just this weird, silly kind of thing that I thought. Well, I grew up in a very small town in Michigan, and. Uh, you know, on the soap operas, everything was was completely fake, but it was a, a totally different world that I found so fascinating. Um, 
So yeah, I, I, it just it sucked me in, it drew me in. And then for reading, I loved reading. Just, I, I would just read anything I could get my hands on. And these days I'm too busy writing to actually read very much. Um, so I miss it desperately, but uh, but yeah, those those were my two. And, and actually there was one more on that list. There were Do tell. boy bands. Oh, well, we're kind of girls of that age, yeah. so <laughs> exactly. boy bands are like a given to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a true obsession, right? I've been to New Kids on the Block twice and Backstreet oh. Boys twice, so it's nice. okay. In my adult years. That's right. You not did. my young years. Um, I also read, though, that, that somewhere along the way, someone uh, gave you a pen that smelled like grapes. Oh. And did that help you write? It did. And I completely forgot about that, and I forgot that I said that, mm -hmm. but yes, yes. And I remember those pens. Again, we're sort of of the same age that we can appreciate that yeah. that was a thing. And and how in the world? I mean, I know that sounds so silly, but where did the love of, of instead of wanting to be the person that's outwardly telling the story, you would rather write that story down? Uh, you know, it... it the pens, really. It's truly. Really, I can remember. I can. I can smell them in my mind. There, was all, there was a bunch of different um, flavors, and it was fun for me to write. You know, in the different colors, and to smell the different things, and to suddenly start making up these characters. That you know, and I, I think that that's how you start to write. Is you read these stories, and you say, "Oh, you know, I'm going to tell my version of what I just read." And um, so I was writing. You know, a lot of. I guess middle grade mm -hmm. when I was of that age and it was it was really fun. Do you remember the notebook paper that was different colors? Yes. That was really cool. I, I had a love of writing as well and that I don't know it made it seem more special when you wrote it down on certain colored Purple paper. Let's talk about you getting some success going back. First of all, um, you and a roommate wrote a screenplay, right? Mm -hmm. Was that 2009? I, gosh, I couldn't even tell you at this point. Long um, time ago? You know, I think it might have been longer than that, mm -hmm. even maybe 2007, 2006, somewhere sure, around Sure, so there. what was the screenplay? Um, it was called For Worse or For Better. And it was two friends who decide to fake an engagement. And they, of course, end up falling in love, but all the hijinks that come along with that. And we were um, lucky enough to be represented by Bender Spink at the time, which was a company that was putting out um, a lot of different films that were getting noticed. And that got us in the door to be able to go pitch the studios mm -hmm. and to go around and, and do that. And it was just a really exciting time, really fun experience. Um, and then we would just write and we started developing a bunch of different projects. Um, but then the love of my life moved. And so. And came here to came Lexington, here to right? Lexington. Yeah. Talk to me about leaving because here you are, you're really trying to make it in some capacity in LA and then love. Um, Fortunately, unfortunately, gets in the way. However, some people want to see that. But you came here and sort of said, okay, so talk to me about leaving that behind. Obviously, you're madly in love, and that yeah. didn't matter. But it, You know, I think that it was one of those things where I ended up completely in the right place and where I was meant to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And it was with the screenplays we had a my writing partner and I we had a wonderful time pursuing that but we never quite broke through now granted we didn't f fight for it long enough I mean I do think mm -hmm. that if we would have kept pushing and pushing and pushing for years eventually we would have but 
it, it just wasn't, I, I sort of feel like at some point when you're hitting your head against a brick wall, you have to say, okay, maybe this isn't the route you're supposed to take. So it wasn't that hard to leave behind because I was at that point. And it, so, you know, when faced with, okay, do I stay here or do I fall in love? Of course we don't fall in love. And, and when you came here following your love, what did you first do to kind of make a living? I was in marketing. Mm -hmm. So I would just, you know, I worked from home doing just random little jobs here and there. And with all the free time that I had on my hands, um, because I didn't know anybody yet, I, I would just, I was working on a book. And so I just kept kind of plugging away at that. And that filled that you know, the loss that I did experience in moving here of being able to um, put my hand into something creative. And, and then it became the whole package. And, and the whole package came out, was that 2011? Mm -hmm. 2011. So if, if you've not read this book, it is a um, very interesting read about a group <laughs> of ladies who are friends who really turn the tables on men. And it is a, I remember reading this book, it's been years ago, but it is, it's laugh out loud in places. It really is. It makes you giggle because you really do see these ladies sort of scheming to turn the tables. Tell folks without giving a whole lot of, away about it, kind of about this book and where your idea came from for it. It, you know, it came from, it was um, just sort of the unfairness of the restaurant Hooters. Sorry to say it, but you know, uh, I, every time I would drive by a Hooters or walk by a Hooters, they had one on Hollywood Boulevard. I think maybe a sunset. I don't know. Um, but I would just think, oh, that's so gross. That's so weird. Why is that okay? And people would be bringing their families in. And you know, so just kind of as a joke, I thought, oh, it would be so funny. Like, would people bring in their families if it w men were the waiters? And so then the story kind of germinated from that. And it's about uh, these three friends who knew each other. Um, all the way growing up and then they all hit a certain point in their life where everything falls apart and so they join together and they do this and and of course that falls apart and then they figure out how to put it back together and put themselves back together in a way that works. I, I find it interesting too it's 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 a um, it's like a fancy eating establishment yes. right in the yes. book so it, it's very it's very classy in this book but it is it is life laugh out loud funny where do you, I always wonder with people who write, um, are you always looking for that next character just in the people around you or things that you see in life as you're just kind of observing? Where does that come from? It is for, you know, I don't write about people that I know because A, I wouldn't have a friend left in the world is what I like to say, but then also it's it's too difficult to try and force somebody that, a character that, a real person into a story because you need to have them behave and do things in certain ways, and so it just, it really doesn't work. Um, but when I am writing, yeah, I'll just, everything will sort of play into a story. I'll look around rooms a little bit more thoroughly that I'm sitting in and notice, you know, the light fixtures or the smells in the room and, um, you know, so things will kind of sneak into a story that are of that time period, but not necessarily anything real, if that makes sense. Could you believe the first time that you took your book, you pitched it, and then someone calls and they, they really want to publish it? What was that like? Oh my gosh, I cried. I cried like a baby. It was so exciting. And it, you know, getting someone to like a piece of creative work and to take a risk on it because um, everything in the publishing world is very corporate and so these editors you know it's their job on the line if they pick something that they can't sell mm -hmm. or that doesn't you know sell that many copies or whatever it's someone willing to stake their career and reputation really on on what you've created and so it's really I didn't realize all that at the time you know how hard it actually is um, but I just knew that it was 
difficult. Mm -hmm. And so now when I know the reality of the situation behind it, oh my gosh, I feel like a star landed on a bullseye. It was really, <laughs> I'm very happy that it happened. When you have one book that's out, how quickly are you expected to churn something else out? It depends on what company you're with. Mm. Um, and what it is exactly that you're writing. Right now I'm writing a series, and so that um, we are putting them out very, very quickly. I have one coming out this April, and mm -hmm. then I have another one that's releasing in September, and I'm hoping to be able to do some more books after that. And that's, the, you know, the purpose of that is that once people find characters in a town that they like, they want to mm -hmm. keep reading about them as quickly as possible. Sure. You are a mom of two adorable <laughs> kiddos. You openly admit, I don't know if I have a brain most days. Yeah. Um, where do you find the time to really sort of disconnect from being a mom right now to I need to be this writer, author, and can you separate the two? I guess you have to. You have to. I, I When they go to bed at night, and I have a very understanding mm -hmm. husband, you know, he knows that those are the hours where I have to, to put in the work. And so things like the Netflix binges and all that, those we do when I'm off deadline or when I'm not working on mm -hmm. something. And you just, it's one of those things where you get it done. And there was a deadline that I had right around Christmas time. And I remember, you know, I think I was getting maybe three hours of sleep there for a little while and but it's just you know you just do it like with anybody in their job it's it's just what you do does it feel like work to you I mean I love telling stories so mm -hmm. for me it's yeah. not really work right. I get I have, I'm afforded the opportunity to do things like this sitting and talking with you so for you when you know you have those deadlines does it feel like true work when no. you're yeah yeah it just sort of feels like a, a a goal that you want to reach. Mm -hmm. it, it never feels like work. It just feels like so much fun. And the real timeline is making sure that you can tell the absolute best story that you want to tell in the amount of time that you have to do it. Uh, but no, every single, I, nary a complaint, every single day is a joy when I'm working. Do you ever shoot up in the middle of the night in bed and you have an idea and yeah. you must jot it down? Yes. And then I read it in the morning and I think, oh no, that's That was what terrible. Was that? What was I thinking? Why, why was I sleeping? That was my one chance to sleep. So you had the whole package. Then you uh, put out Marriage Matters, The Lighthouse Keeper mm -hmm. in 2017. And then you have uh, two things getting ready to come out, right? The Winemaker's Secret, which these are all um, fiction great stories, but then you're, you're also tapping into young readers as well yeah. with the Girls of Firefly Cabin mm -hmm. released in May coming up. That yeah. sounds pretty cool to yeah. kind of go a different route. I'm really excited about that one, yeah, because it's, speaking back to the time when I was reading so much, when I was growing up, those were the books that would speak to me. And so now, um, finally, I've put in the time to to do that and so I'm very excited about Firefly's Cabin. Firefly Cabin. Mm -hmm. It's about um, four different girls from very different backgrounds and they all end up at summer camp together in the same cabin and they're they you know they each have a secret that they think that if they share it with the other girls mm -hmm. the other girls won't like them or accept them or they won't be you know firefly for real and so it's about them learning and growing over those eight weeks to trust each other and to trust in friendship that could last forever and it's a summer that you know changes their lives and I think that's very um, very good of you to to go to that younger reader route because you and I are both um, self-proclaimed bookworms but we also grew up in a very different time where we didn't have so much social media or so many 
tech things in front of us. Do you really feel sort of a responsibility from your love of reading to really pass that on and to get out there and promote the love of reading with young readers? I do. I think it's so important to uh, what we were talking about earlier, you know, about seeing, for example, the soap operas on TV and having that be a life that's completely different. You know, really, of course, that's why I would read, is I would get to experience all these different lives and books. And so to be able to share a different experience, a different life, different life lessons, um, it, it, it was just a thrill um, and an honor to be able to do it. And it's so funny because you said the social media mm -hmm. and all of that, and it just kind of hit me that in the book, when they're at camp, there isn't that mm -hmm. in their life. And so I guess maybe I went to a, a time or a setting where that mm -hmm. wouldn't be, um, but that's not really true because there's a storyline where the girl sneaks in her iPhone. You know, we talked about your obsessions when you were little. When did you first know that, that writing really was going to be your passion? Do you remember that exact moment? Yes, I remember that exact moment. It was when I was moving here Now, this is after I'd already started the screenplays mm -hmm. and all of that. So I had been writing for a while, but I was moving here, and a marketing tour took me through um, New York City for a couple weeks. And nothing gave me greater joy than to sit down with my computer in a cafe, drinking mm -hmm. coffee and looking at it in New York City and writing a book. And I thought, wow, I am every cliche come to life right now, and I love it. This is what I want to do. I am my own Hallmark movie right yes, now. Yes, exactly. I am living it. <laughs> is writer's block a real thing? Oh, gosh, yeah. And what do you do to overcome it? I think, you know, I experienced some writer's block right after I wrote uh, Marriage Matters because, you know, at this point, that was, I guess you call it your sophomore book. This is my second book that came out. And that's when you really start to think, oh, I could have a career at this um, but at the same time then you have the decision of okay what do I really want my career to look like and although I really loved the first two books that I wrote uh, what I wanted I wanted to sort of evolve in a different direction and that was the series that I ended up writing was mm -hmm. the Starlight Cove series but I didn't quite know how to get there because um, the publisher that I was very lucky enough to be with that didn't fit the brand that they were buying and so it was it was tricky and my editor and I we would work together to try and find you know what would what's the third book going to be and we couldn't quite settle on anything because I didn't know what I wanted to do because really I didn't want to do the two books that I'd already done before I mm -hmm. wanted to do something completely sure. different um, so that that made it difficult for me to write for a, a, a little while there um, but then finally you know then I'm I <laughs> I went and got a real job there for a little while, and I thought, okay, you know, this is just going to be a hobby. That's, you know, but of course that was not me at all. Mm. And it was, you know, it was just one of those detours in life that really assured me that, no, you're on the right path. This is absolutely what you need to be doing. So then I sat down and I wrote what I wanted to write, and then I haven't stopped since. I think it's like when I, I read all the time, oh, the places you'll go to kiddos always. And I use that in talking about your dreams and careers. And I think it's it's true. You just have bumps in the road. And sometimes you just go over them and you figure out what's at the bottom. And then you reassess and you come back around, right? Yeah. Talk to me about this the series that you have. What will people find in this series? It's, it's a combination of... History, mystery, romance, friendship, and family. Wow, you pack it all in. I pack it all into every book. <laughs> and, and so that's why it was, you know, so d difficult kind of to settle on a genre. And it turns out, I thought that a genre for it didn't exist, but it is called Cozy Mystery. 
I like a cozy mystery. See? In a cozy mystery, mm -hmm. I think by definition is a mystery that's not grisly. There's mm -hmm. not really a dead body in sight. Um, but it has, you know, the sense of, you know, all those different mm -hmm. elements in there. I love Mary Kay Andrews. She's one of my most yes. favorite. And, yes. and she may not fit completely in that cozy mm -hmm. mystery, but I do enjoy kind of the laugh out loud funny. There's mm -hmm. there's a lot of different characters. There's a little bit of a mystery. And there I could go on and on about yeah, the cozy yeah. mysteries that I do read. I'm so glad to hear that. I do. How do you feel about we're in a world where tangible books, people are, are shying away from the actual tangible book and going to wherever they can read it on their phone or on a tablet. How do you feel about the person that wants people just to read your stuff and they want you to purchase their stuff? Do you, do you have a strong feeling one way or the other or do you have to be neutral because you just want people to enjoy your books? Well, I'm definitely neutral because I do just want people to enjoy my books. That said, I am my publisher that I love that has given me this incredible, wonderful opportunity to write what I want to be writing is Amazon. And so therefore they are the biggest, um, they start, they sort of know how to market a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they sort of know how to put a, put a book mm -hmm. in people's hands. And so, you know, that's been an incredible experience because they started, you know, I don't know their timeline in terms of, but you know, everybody knows now that they have a um, movie studio, that they have a television studio, and they have a publishing house. And so when they acquired um, The Lighthouse Keeper, I had similar expectations in terms of, you know, my print books, in terms of the volume of readers that it would go into the hands mm -hmm. of. And oh my gosh, they are, they, they're Amazon, really, and love it or hate it, you know, mm -hmm. people have polarizing opinions about it. And I, I just, I love the fact that people are going to find my books mm -hmm. because they put them in, right in front of them and they have the ability to match people who would be interested um, in what I write mm -hmm. with those people and so it's been an incredible experience being with them and, the, and and because of that I absolutely love them and also my mom she's a huge reader and she travels all the time and you know one day just kind of off the cuff she said something like oh gosh you know whew, my back feels so much better and I said what do you mean she goes well I've got 20 books right here and she lifts up her little electronic device and I thought oh my gosh I never even thought yeah. about it that way and I'd, I'd watched my mom read paper books you know my entire life mm -hmm. but she loves her and she can make the words bigger and this and that and so to give that ability I, I don't think that there's anything uh, you know, I think it's progress and we're moving forward. I think there's something very interesting too about um, those uh, pairings or matchings, if you will, that if I go on and look up mm -hmm. one of your books, that it, you know, usually gives me a suggestion of three other books that I might like. And it, right. and I have found with a lot of the books that I read, when I find an author I love and maybe I have finished all that I can of that author, I want something more and I always appreciate knowing someone else that I might enjoy. And I do think that that is something that can help people like you that it opens up a lot of different people that maybe they didn't even know you existed right and now they want to read everything by you but I do love a good being able to shut the book and be done and turn it over so yeah. I still find myself in a good bookstore looking around but I do order a ton of books a because they can be here very quickly right and I can get going on them but um, but I, I understand that and I also understand it does it opens up a world um, to a lot of other people that are on the go right. so they can still read yep and they can read it on their phone they can read it on their Kindle um, but also you know another thing that's interesting to me in terms of just the evolution of my career is that the Firefly Cabin 
The Girls of Firefly Cabin is published by Albert Whitman, and that is one of the oldest publishing companies. They just celebrated their 100-year birthday. And so then Amazon is one of the newest. And so it's, it's fun yeah. to kind of see those two. Your newest, uh, your newest book, um, adult book, um, debuts next month, correct? Mm -hmm. The yes. Winemaker's Secret. Uh, what's it about? Oh my gosh, it is about a family, well it's about a girl named Abby Harrington and her family owns a vineyard in northern Michigan and that's where the Starlight Cove series is set, mm -hmm. it's an imaginary town in northern Michigan. And so they own this vineyard and her brother has gotten into a lot of trouble in the past with drugs and you know the law and this and that and then he suddenly just shows up at the vineyard out of nowhere. Um, and right around the time he shows up, they're prized possession, the ice wine, which is an incredibly valuable form of wine in the northern parts, um, ends up missing. It's, it's stolen. And so there's a lot of family secrets that start to come out, and um, it just it's a lot of fun. It's a fun book. How much research goes into, you know, you, you have these amazing characters that you want to put on paper and you have the story to tell, but I would imagine there's a lot of additional research and just to getting things correct about a certain area you're writing about or the wine industry. So how much of that goes into the writing process? Quite a bit. You know, particularly to go back to the Lighthouse Keeper, I knew nothing. Now, I know a little bit about wines. So that was a little bit mm -hmm. <laughs> easier to write about. But with the Lighthouse Keeper, I knew nothing about lighthouses. And so, um, God bless our public library, I went and I rented all their, or took out all of the videos that they had, educational videos about lighthouses. And I spent hours just watching and learning and then same with internet did mm -hmm. internet research and then went up and did a tour of some lighthouses up in northern Michigan and so then that when all that was said and done I just put it away forgot about it because I didn't want to dump a bunch of technical information mm -hmm. into the book but then I knew enough about it that I could craft a story around it and so it's like that with um, every book this uh, the wine the winemaker secret I learned as much as I could about vineyards and then tried to yeah. Just make it up. And actually, I had a contact at a vineyard in northern Michigan who was wonderful answering questions. Cynthia, what do you say to folks that are, you know, aspiring writers, authors, and they just don't really know where to start? You know, they maybe have penned some stories or they've gotten, you know, a chapter done and they just don't know where to go. What would your best advice be for them? My best advice, I always tell people to read the book Save the Cat and it's by Blake Snyder and it was a screenwriting book and the reason I do that is there is a beat sheet in there and it explains the structure of a story and I think that is the most critical thing in it, being able to write a book and to tell a story um, because oftentimes people start writing something that they feel really excited about then they'll get a st to a certain point the middle is the hardest mm -hmm. part to write. Um, but a beat sheet will tell you exactly what types of stories or what trajectory you need to go on to be able to make the middle of the story interesting. And no, having that knowledge will help people be able to continue on writing. That's my first piece of advice. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second piece of advice would be to just write and write and write and write and rewrite and once you think your story is done, it is not done. Go back and rewrite it again and again and again, and then look at it, and then you're ready to start go shopping for an agent. Great, that is good advice. So for the gal that grew up loving soap operas and then wanted to maybe <laughs> make her way into the entertainment world, what would it be like for you if you got the phone call and one of your amazing books was being turned into a TV movie or a series of some sort? I think that would be so incredibly exciting. I would love to see 
what someone else would turn that story into. Because that's the fun thing mm -hmm. about reading, right? Is we all sit there and we read the stories and we picture it however our mind tells mm -hmm. that story. And so then the story would, you know, a lot of times people say, oh gosh, you know, the book wasn't like, or the movie wasn't anything like the book I read. Well, we all see different mm -hmm. things when we read. Um, so I think it would be just so exciting to see what type of take the person would have on it. I'd love to see it. So you're a mom and you're a wife and you're an author. Do you still want to be the actor? Would oh that gosh, ever be no, in no, here? No, no, no. Done with that. No, I get so, <laughs> I'm so happy we're doing a podcast because I get so nervous on camera. Oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. I never, I never liked that part of it enough to, um, to think, oh, I'd really want to go back and do something like that now. Absolutely it seems not. like Central Kentucky has captured your heart. It is. I mean, I know that you all came here for a job, mm -hmm. but you've obviously stayed. Yeah. I, I think Kentucky is a wonderful place to be. What I love about it, I love the history that's here. I love the architecture. I love the things that make it unique, like the horse, the horse racing industry, the bourbon, all of that. It just has such texture and um also, community, I think, is such a huge part. You know, in, in my books, one of the things I love about the Starlight Cove series is that it's set in a small town. Now, of course, you know, that's complete. This can, Lexington, Kentucky is hardly a small town um, in any way. So the two don't compare in that sense. But what I'm drawn to with telling stories about small towns is I just love the ability to be in a place where you can go to the grocery store, bump into six people, you know, <laughs> and catch up with everybody without Facebook, without Ooh. social media, and to be, you know, involved in everyone's life in that sense. I think it's I think it's a really special thing, and we are all, you know, kind of at risk of losing touch with each other mm. because of, uh, you know, the electronic age and all that. So it's nice to have those um, visceral touch points with people. So a couple of questions that I always ask my guests, and obviously with an author slash writer, you know, books we've already talked about have been so important to you. What's one book that really has meant something to you over the years? There's a couple different answers to that. The, fr the first one, you know, I always say Bridget Jones' Diary, always, because it was the first book that I ever read that I said, oh, wow, you can write like that? And so it helped me to find my voice. It helped me to realize that you don't have to write a book in formal language, you know, that sort of to follow some you know, imaginary. So it, it taught me that you can talk like a human to tell stories, mm -hmm. and which that sounds terrible, but y you know what I mm -hmm. mean. Um, not talk like a human, but um, it taught me that you can speak in a relatable voice with readers and have your character talk like you've heard other people talk. Um, so because of that, Bridget, and it's also funny as I'll get out. I think it's incredibly hilarious. Funny. So, so I love, so I love that book and I could go back and read it again and again. Um, but then in terms of, uh, local literature, Kim Edwards, I absolutely love her. She's one of my favorite people and she, The Secrets of the Fire King is an incredible book. And I could just read that again and again, all the different stories, and she just has an incredible way with words. And so I love, I love reading her stuff. I will never forget that I had read her books, mm -hmm. and I, I knew she was local, but I didn't know who she was. And I found out that I was working out right alongside her every day at you my old gym and didn't realize it was her. And I found out because she came in here um, bringing in, someone came in to do a show, she was here, and I was like, oh, you're the lady that I work, and I realized that, and then I sort of kind of geeked out and had this ridiculous <laughs> moment where I might have just grabbed her and hugged her because 
her books are so beautiful. Yeah. And I appreciate, you know, right. just good books. And so it was really a funny moment that I, she probably I'm will so never come back here again. Because <laughs> it just <laughs> happened. I mean, yeah. you know, some people get excited about actors or, or famous musicians. And I just love books so much that it was just, yeah. I just love everything about knowing the process. And so I appreciate that. So I may or may not have just pounced on her. But, and this podcast, Cynthia, is called Uniquely Kentucky. So you, you have now called Kentucky, Central Kentucky, home for a number of years. What do you think makes us so unique? Well, gosh, I, there's so much that makes Kentucky, Kentucky. And the things that jump out in my mind are the stone walls, you know, and the horse fields, the horse culture, um, the Keeneland, Keen the bourbon industry the basketball games and the, the passion that we all have for that, um, the small community of, you know, and the values and the beauty. I think Kentucky is incredibly beautiful. What is next for Cynthia Ellison? Oh my gosh, um, sitting down and trying to outline a whole bunch of books in the, uh, in the Starlight Cove series and going from there. Then I would also like to write some more middle grade. I'd love to write some children's books. And so just writing, writing, writing. Where can people find you? If they want to check out any of the books that we've talked about today, where can people find them? Um, definitely at Joseph Best, of course, and Briar Books, and then online, anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. Um, just come find me. I'd love to. you have and a website, so, I mean, do you do speaking engagements as well? I do, not so much anymore sure. with the little ones. Yeah. Um, I might go to the book fairs this year. Uh, I usually try and do that when my books come out. Um, so that would, but the website will post as I think I'll do a signing at Joseph Beth's. Um, so it'll have the dates as to upcoming events and to when I'll be doing signings. But I just hope that people read them and enjoy them and get in touch with me and let me know what you think of them. Cynthia, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for making Central Kentucky home and for bringing us amazing, fun stories of real people. Thank you, Amber. Thank you so much for talking to me.